Do you find yourself running out of time to accomplish your work? Are you spending time doing things that you're not that good at? There are effective ways to outsource these tasks so you can focus on your business. This is the Virtual Success Show. We bring the inside scoop on outsourcing success for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Malouf and Barbara Turley. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Virtual Success Show, where I'm flying solo today without my co-host Matt, but I've got an absolutely fantastic guest that I'm interviewing, Jason Dolly, who's the founder of Testimonial Tree. And the beauty about this particular interview today is that Jason's background, he was actually an engineer um, who started selling uh, luxury real estate on the side. One of his clients flew in on a private jet and bought a $4.4 million home and then flew out the same day. And Jason thought to himself, how on earth do I get this guy to give me a testimonial? Because testimonials are so strong. And to cut a long story short, basically Testimonial Tree was born out of that from an engineer. Um, it's now doing million dollar uh, annual recurring revenue and has 95,000 customers with a 95% retention rate. And Jason's running a team of 10 people and is here to talk to us today about the challenges of growing a SaaS company and growing a team at the same time. Welcome to the show, Jason. Yeah, thank you for having me. Cool. So listen, Jason, give us a little bit of background first on Testimonial Tree. What is it? It's obviously a SaaS product um, out there in the market for people to get testimonials. But give us the, give us the kind of spiel on what it is. Yeah, it's, it's sort of evolved over the years. It started in about until, until 2013. Um, I built it for myself just to, mainly to get my, like you said, that one customer, for example, to get him to share a testimonial on social media. Because in the, at least in the US here, like you're licensed to sell real estate in a certain state and you can't really do a lot of stuff outside the places you're licensed. So I was trying to get him to, to share his experience in a place where I normally couldn't get, you know. So social media was the easiest way to do it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's how it started, and it's evolved since then. But um, what happened after that that um, ex- that experience you just mentioned? Uh, some real estate brokerages here got wind of it and, and said, "Hey, we use this thing if you pay us," and and it's grown exponentially. Oh, so you had a business. I actually, it's a bit like yeah. the virtual hub. I call it my accidental business. I didn't mean to launch it. It sounds a bit like what you've done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's been awesome. It's been. I mean, the more. I mean, the, the the more we get into this, and the deeper we get into testimonials and the feedback, um, the more opportunity there is for us. It's just a huge, cool space. Um, but what we do no- normally is, let's say in real estate, for example, and there are all kinds of verticals, but we mainly focus on um, customer feedback. So either a survey request or testimony request or whatever, we try to automate it through different systems, and then we take the customer feedback and we can use it for marketing, getting it on social media, maybe they're powering testimonials on their website. Um, there's also yeah. other branches of our tree too. It's more about learning and HR and things like that, improving companies. So long story short, we're just trying to take this feedback and customer experience and help companies grow basically. Yeah. And they're so powerful. I mean, everyone's talking about the power of stories these days and how stories are actually what sell and social proof. But as we all know, like we all spend a fortune on, on our marketing and our lead magnets and all our funnels and stuff like that. But actually going out and getting testimonials, it's, there's a lot of work involved in doing that. And I think we, like I know for us at the virtual hub, it's something that we, we do do, but I don't think we do it very well. And I think we miss out on a lot of great testimonials because we haven't really nailed a bit of a, a process around it or, you know, even a product that helps us to do it like testimonial tree. 
So obviously we're trying out this product at the moment, yeah. right? So I'm interested, and I know our listeners, obviously we're here to talk about virtual teams, virtual success. And um, what I love about your company is that your team in the team is actually not virtual. They are in an office mainly working together, but you're virtual from them, which makes you a virtual team um, as the owner. So talk to me about the beginnings of this. Like, did you start out just you? Who was your first hire? And just talk to me about some of the challenges in that first. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so at first it was just me. And, and honestly, the, that first year was sort of like part-time. I was, you know, getting things going on sort of a lean methodology um, I built everything myself in the beginning and then it got to a certain point where I was like, you know, I could probably use some help with this. And, uh, and so I actually had a contractor, a guy that I knew, a friend basically. And I said, Hey man, you can, you want to help us out with some stuff, you're helping out some stuff. And so I did sort of have a virtual team at first. I, I, he was still local, it was in the same town, but, um, he helped out build a lot of the core stuff we have um, today, even still, um, it was really did you helpful. kind of let him fly? Like, did you say, you know, hey, mate, here's what I want, and he just you just let him at it? Or was there, you know, how much direction did you have to give him? Or was it in his Yeah. Well, at first it was like, you know, you don't know exactly like how to delegate that stuff. So I think naturally it was like small things. Like I think, I'm just thinking back, I think like one thing, for example, I had a, a query that I was trying to do that it was like taking me some time to get optimized and fast and whatever and I was like man I can get this done but this is like taking me longer than I probably should spend on it if I have someone else working on it I could probably do something else and so that's sort of how the idea came like I need some help here and so yeah. I gave him that and then it kind of kept growing from there you know you, you build trust you know you just give a little task and it, they, they do well or he does well and you just keep giving them more and then so talk to is the is that person still working with you no, no. So what happened was, um, no, I, we, I mean, I probably could still use him, but what happened was um, he had a, a pretty cool full-time job. So it was, it was kind of a moonlight gig and then, and it kept growing and he couldn't leave it. He was making too much money in his other gig. So I couldn't, couldn't steal him away. So, but um, so then actually, you, obviously you came up against it. That's a big roadblock actually. Cause you go, Oh my yeah. God, I've got this great person, but I can't afford to hire that person. I mean, next. It was interesting because like um, we started growing and we were, we were doing some decent revenue for what we were, for what we were. And I was like, I thought it'd be, this guy'd be a no brainer. He'd come aboard and take, you know, jump ship and leave what he was doing. But I sort of found out like not everyone has the same risk tolerances as, as me or any other entrepreneur. So, um, you know, he, he decided not to take that leap of faith and uh, not too long after, I mean, in 2016 is when we got funded, we got, uh, we raised a million to five from a, a sales channel in the sh- up in Chicago, and uh, so we. By that time, we you know we had other folks involved or whatever, so we didn't it wasn't as dependent on one person at that point. Did that with the money that you raised? Did people come with that money? Was there a bit of a bit of team that arrived with the money, or was it just yeah. that you got the money you were able to hire then? I had a minimal sort of teams, like it was very lead. I mean, it was like nobody really full time. Even it was like me and um, some other helpers, and then. Uh, when we got the funding, then it really started started to grow. Um, and the main idea behind the funding really was we, we've been doing really well in real estate and people were happy and it was just, it was awesome. But now we saw opportunities in other verticals and healthcare and insurance and mortgage and whatever else. And, and in, in our market, our um, space, you know, speed is sort of key, probably just like other SaaS companies. But if you're not moving fast in those verticals, other folks are going to beat you. So we decided to take some capital on to move faster, get a bigger team and 
you know, again, that presented other challenges, but you know, it was, it was good. So talk to me then, because then obviously you've got an engineering background. So I'm really keen to know, like you get this, you get a bunch of money. Now you can hire people. So now it's really critical that you hire the right people and that you step into that leader role of being able to lead those people and lead that team. How did you find that transition? Because that might have been, did you have a background at all in leading teams? Not really. I feel like an engineer, like you're, I was on a team a lot when I was, even in college, you're like always on teams in engineering uh, school. So, but um, I never had led a team in the way that I needed to for, for this company or this role. Uh, I, I'm still learning now. I feel like so it's not like I, I haven't figured it out for sure. But, I don't think you ever uh, figure. I don't think you, I don't think I think it's always learning. But no, talk well, to me about the, the the what were the were there any kind of early mistakes or you know what have your learnings been? I guess from those early yeah. learning that team to now, what would you do differently? Yeah. You've known everything. Well, um, I well honestly, um, and uh, so one of my first one of my first hires was a. Uh, well, I had, I had a choice actually between like two different people and one was sort of an expensive sort of CTO guy, like maybe 125 or something thousand a year, which seemed to me like a lot of money for what I was, what I, the state we were in. And I had another guy that was sort of senior that was less money. And I thought if I get this, this uh, less expensive guy and I could probably afford to hire another person too. So I'll get almost two for the price of one and I end up going for the two for one, whatever. And, and I, that was my first, uh, uh, I had to let that guy go. <laughs> After about, about uh, four or five months, I figured out like, this isn't, this isn't working. And that, I, that was the first time I had to let someone go and I cried. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it was hard. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. it's very difficult. Yeah. Um, um, so, so what, what was it in those first four months? What went wrong? Was it just obvious that that person didn't have any skills or was it a wrong, talk to me about what, how you discovered the wrong move there. Um, in hindsight, I think I probably didn't have the best like interview process in place. I sort of was really trusting. They sort of knew a lot of the technical stuff, but in, until I probably should have tested a little more than I did. Um, yeah. But uh, not that they didn't have skills, just the, the nature of our product was, it seems really simple on the surface, but it can get pretty complex underneath. And, uh, I just, things were happening really slow and, and, um, and it just, you know, it just wasn't working out. I mean, it was, it was pretty obvious. Like we're trying to hit deadlines and figure out issues and they just weren't getting fixed. And it's like, Hey man, we gotta, yeah, and then, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think you would, you didn't show up for work a few days and I'm like, then it was pretty obvious. Like this is not working out. Like, you know, and so, uh, yeah, work, that whole yeah. Char- character piece and work ethic. I just think it, I talk about it in the Philippines a lot, but you know, by having to get that right. But I think that's something people have to get right, regardless of where you are. Yeah, exactly. And I've learned, I think, a lot since then. But um, but uh, and overall, I mean, honestly, that was an experience that I think I needed to have, like to to get where we're at now. So I mean, kind of learned from everything. So it wasn't like it wasn't like a devastating mistake or anything like that. Obviously, but it was. But I, I learned that my intuition on some of this stuff wasn't as good as I thought probably. So, so I need to have a little bit more, more processes in place and like things moving forward to like make sure whoever we hire was a good culture fit and a good technical fit to what we're, we're doing. Yeah, the culture fit piece is something that's really hard to get right, but it's so pivotal to, to actually having a successful team. It's worth investing time in that. So talk to me about how do you, so when you're on the road, your team are all in the office and you're pretty virtual. How do you run it 
these days to make sure, how do you get to a point where um, you've got all your processes running? How do you keep in control without doing everything or doing anything as such? How do you lead them? Yeah. And I'm not t- totally sure I'm, I'm in that position just yet. I'm trying to get there. So what, what I, uh, what we have, I'm, I'm, we're mainly in the same office most of the time, but the nature of what I'm trying to do is get out and get bigger and um, bigger accounts and, and deals maybe our, our normal sales guys might not be able to do as easy. So I'm, I'm on the road doing shows and doing different things. So um, I guess in a way my team is virtual when I'm, when I'm out there. So um, one, one, we have different tools in place like Slack and things that really help us a lot. We have different teams and different uh, channels set up there. Um, that's been really, really helpful for us. But the key is I think to get the right leadership in place so that I know like when I'm on the road, I know there's like one or two calls that I always make, um, one in particular, just to know the pulse of the company. So make sure there's no fires to put out or, or whatever. And so that's that one person I always call. So, Hey man, how's it going? Man? And, if it, and I always say, if he's smiling, then I'm, we're good. You know, if it's, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's like the main thing. And what about a communication plan? Do you guys do, do you like do daily huddles or do you have like a project management tool? Do you use Asana or Basecamp or any of these um, more project management style tools to run things or is it just Slack? No, we, we have a couple of different tools, but um, Slack's the main communication tool. But um, culturally what we do is every Monday at like 9.30, we do a little stand up in the office and generally the department heads will just give a report of what, happened last week, um, what their plans for this week are. And, uh, sometimes we'll do like little, um, little demos or whatever. If some new feature came out or whatever, we'll show the team. Usually there's about, there's about a half an hour meeting there, maybe, uh, max. Um, and then uh, normally what I'll do too is read testimonial to the team and kind of like, just make sure they know we have hundreds of these coming in every day and just kind of get more, um, tangible part of what we're actually collecting. So that's kind of cool. Um, but also we do is we bookend the whole week. So at, at four, four thirty on Friday, I mean generally about four o'clock, we'll we'll uh we'll come out of our in front of our computers, come in the main room here. We're kind of an open office space here and got beer or coffee, whatever you want. And uh we kinda talk through what happened this week, how can we improve, what went wrong, whatever. Um if we did a really good job and we have these little these little sheets we're trying to things we're trying to cap accomplish for the week. In theory, if we get all these uh, things accomplished, we have a little karaoke thing going on. So it's we have a really cool culture. Um, but things like um, we, we use um, uh, GitHub for a lot of the support, uh, for a lot of the, the tickets for the technical side. Um, we use Zendesk for a lot of the internal, like the other stuff we have with different ticketing for different issues, customer facing. <clears throat> so we have different systems in place for different things. Project management side, we have... We have some base camp going on. We have some Atlassian tools that we use. There's a couple different tools we use that we put together. Yeah. So, because what I love about what you just said there is the Monday, I love that, that, that sort of huddle meeting on a Monday to sort of set the stage for the week. And then I love that you do that Friday meeting that talks about what went wrong for the week, what went right, and sort of what we're going to do about it. So do you find like those, that sort of bookending meetings in the week, it keeps everyone, I would imagine, on track it keeps projects moving and it stops the roadblocks from like toppling everyone or people just forgetting to do stuff or not reporting back to the team properly do you find that sort of clears up those issues yeah definitely because i mean it's, it's a natural conversation you have too when you're in the same room and you're going over some different things and it just it's a more conversation you know it's a little more relaxed um the other side of it too is it's more creative so like you might have 
some issue that came up and there's maybe a more creative solution or now you have time to sit there and kind of talk about it. Whereas if you're in a regular week, you know, people are doing stuff, you know, and they, you know, you feel like you're interrupting them. So yeah, you know, exactly. one of the weeks actually a little bit more productive. That meeting is more productive than the, the one at the beginning of the week, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just think, so have you ever been virtual for that meeting yourself? Have you ever been on the road for that? Um, I don't think I've, not yet, I don't think. I mean, I've, I think I've been gone before, but they have it without me, so I haven't really called in for it. Um, yeah. I just have people that run it. Um, I have not, I don't think I've ever done one where I called in and just kind of virtually did it. Because I know a lot of people will say to me, oh, you know, you can't do that virtually. Whereas, like, I actually do the same sort of thing. I actually have a daily huddle that we do as well because we've got a massive pipeline happening every day. But we actually do it virtually. And I, I always hammer home to people that, it's almost more important to do it when you are virtual. So we all get on video and everything. And there's like 12 people on the, on the whole thing. And we all have a laugh and it just connects everyone virtually. You can really, you can really yeah. do it that way as well. Particularly you when you have offshore teams. You sold me. I'm going to do it. Um, next time I'm gone, I'm going to call in. You should do it. Yeah, you should dial in from your phone and see how it goes. Because then it shows the team that like as you do grow, you're going to get, there are, you may have virtual team members. Because I know that, Obviously, you guys are, are thinking now about maybe putting on some offshore people with us. You know, how are you going to in, integrate those people, mm-hmm. those team meetings? It is a good idea to bring them into the vision and part of the um, the whole thing. So it, it's a good exercise in running virtual teams. That is a very good point. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, actually. It'll be kind of fun to kind of figure that out a little bit. And I, I totally agree. I mean, um, we, as we scale, you sort of have to have that mentality because... Yeah. Um, even salespeople, whatever, they're not going to all be here. I mean, um, so yeah, we you have, have salespeople all over the country eventually. If you, or, you yeah. know, depending how big you go globally with the with the platform, uh, you're going to have to think about this virtual thing. I think more, uh, more as you get bigger. No question. So yeah, we've have uh, plans to go international more. We already have international customers, but we haven't really had that as a main focus. But um, but we will moving forward. So it'll be more and more important. And it'll be interesting how to fit that those like stand-ups in there and even the virtual beers, I guess, on uh, Friday. I don't know how that's going to work, but virtual karaoke, I guess, or something uh, uh, overseas will be kind of interesting. Yeah, we have some clients that have been doing some really interesting virtual uh, stand-up meetings and stuff with their teams offshore because obviously when you start um, thinking about bringing on uh, contractors or VAs or whatever, it's good to bring them into the culture as well and not just have them as a kind of a separate thing. So talk to me now about have you had any um, have you had any offshore staff in this thing before, even as contractors or plugins to to the business? Yeah, I had we had one um, project where they wanted to design some mobile feature or whatever, and one of the guys on the team, one of the tech guys, had a connection to somebody actually in Pakistan or or somewhere over in that vicinity, and um, and so we used him for some design things that we did. And, um, and how did that go? Cause that would have been your first foray. It went really pretty well. Um, it was hard to pay him, <laughs> but other oh. than that, it was, uh, it was pretty good. Um, we, I tried to wire money and it was like really interesting to try to do that. Um, but, uh, we did it once it worked. And then the next time it was like just taking so long we ended up doing it some other way to, um, some other app or something to pay him. But, but, um, how, yeah, was, how did you manage the communication with him? Um, Slack was the main way. I mean, he, he was, uh, I don't think I've ever actually talked to him. It was all just typing via 
Slack mm-hmm. and uh, there were some mock-ups and things. So it was mainly visual stuff that he was doing. So it's, it was pretty easy, but um, you can just draw stuff on the, you know, like he had some change, or whatever. It's easy to draw some arrows and circles and whatever, but it, it really wasn't that, it was pretty seamless and it was actually pretty good. Um, yeah. It was good for us to have that specific kind of project where, like, hey, we need help with this one thing, and this person had expertise in this one thing we're doing. So, and what would you say? So, in a like, you know, SaaS companies they grow fast, right? So, you know, you you're in a fast growth path. You've got this um, technology platform. What would you say to people sort of listening to this who are trying to build teams or feeling frustrated that they can't grow their business? Either they can't grow it fast enough because the team is a roadblock or their company is growing too fast for their team to keep up. What, what sort of tips would you give people? Who are listening? Um, and I'm sort of in right in the middle of all this right now. So I'm sort of learning. I don't think it ever ends because I am as well. I just listen yeah. to myself going, what tip would I give? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think, and I'm not sure this is the answer to the question, but I'd say like, at least in my business, like um, getting to like the first million dollars in revenue was we it was it's hard. Obviously, it's you know to get there is hard, but but um, I could get there with sort of some brute force and some less processes and things in place. And uh, but I think going now we're trying to double, and we're in the middle of that. We're doing we're ahead of schedule, which is great. But but um, you're forced to to think about things in ways that everything's got to scale. Like so, what I tell the team is like, look you're doing this job, but you got to think of it in terms of having five people underneath you. You can't do, you got to make it really efficient. And so the goal, the whole goal right now is to make everything scale, like whether it's onboarding or, you know, the customer service piece or whatever. Um, it's all the processes have to be scalable. Even the sales side, it seems like sales seems like it's easy to scale to an extent, um, maybe the easier of the other ones, but in reality, that's, What's, for us anyway, that's been interesting because every vertical is a little bit different for us and trying to learn the differences and getting the salespeople to understand those differences and and then and trying to like, instead of doing things that are like one-offs, like answering some question on a Zen desk ticket or whatever it is, making articles that answer those questions and all, you know, just little, all kinds of things that you do like that just are repeatable. And so there's hopefully less one-off things you're doing. I love what you've said there because you know what? I actually just had this conversation with my own team about a week ago. And and for anyone listening, like I think the problem I see, and I, I fell into this trap myself also, is that, you know, yes, we build processes and systems and put teams in place, but it's all based on what we're doing today. Usually this is what happens. And I, I, I've started to say to my team, every process you build, you need to present it to me and you need to show me how you think that's going to work with five times the volume going through our pipes in every single thing, you know, or four team members under you, because you're right, because the only way to run a team or to run a business and scale it is to make sure that the systems and your people don't break when you Mm -hmm. don't. Um, And I I definitely, that resonated with me because I just realized that about a year ago. I thought, oh gosh, I need to, everything needs to be built now for five times the size. Mm -hmm. That's where we're going, you know? Exactly. Um, so really important point there for anyone listening. I even think, you know, if you've just got, you know, you as a solopreneur and one VA, a lot of people get stuck in that trench because that's quite a difficult place to get to, even with your first person. But you've got to start working with that person based on what happens when I have five VAs or five team members or a salesperson, a project manager and three offshore staff. And some people get very overwhelmed with that. But Actually, it's less overwhelming in the long run if you think about it in the first place. 
which I'm sure you'd echo what I'm saying there. Oh, no, no question. Yeah. I mean, it's all, all process driven. And I think the hard part sort of for me anyway, was, um, and I'm still doing this, like in my, in my company, I pretty much have done, I guess any startup really, you, you do every job. So you know how to, you would do every job, a customer. Yeah, you service. do everything first yourself and then whatever. You know, it works. Yeah. And you, and you achieve a certain level of success and taking the next step because you generally are probably good at most of those jobs. And so like, you got to figure out what made you good at those jobs and kind of, and figure out how do I, you know, train someone else or, or trust someone else to do it their way. Like, and maybe different than your way. Like you got to decide like how much autonomy to give them or how, what things make you special. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's the part that you, that you kind of be introspective on and, and say, okay, what, what part of customer service made was valuable to my, my, my customers. I got to make sure I keep that intact. And other than that, you can do it the way you want. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, and actually just on that point of training, that's a really interesting point that you brought up. Cause I'm, I'm keen to kind of just delve into this slightly. Um, a lot of people think, or, well, the feedback I sort of get sometimes is that, Oh, you know, if I've got someone in the Philippines, it's harder to train. It takes too long. And I'm of the view that like I've brought on people in my own country and I still had to train not because they weren't skilled, but because they're entering my company that I built. So they need to kind of get their feet under the desk of what we're doing here. What would you say, even with somebody who has experience and you've hired someone who's an A player, how long do you think um, it takes to kind of still train someone on your internal workings? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, honestly, people that have been here for even you know, four or five months. We had people at the end of, of last year. Um, they're still learning things. So, yeah. I mean, a certain core thing that you need to know to be able to be successful. And I think that takes for us anywhere. And the outside looking in our product, you know, it's, it's not that complicated. It's like two or three months. You're pretty much able to speed. You can do a lot of stuff. And, but there's the way we're set up, the way our company is set up is it's very customizable. There's a lot of settings, a lot of things you can do that depending on what the customer needs. So, teaching folks especially on the sales and the onboarding side to sort of listen and figure out what the actual customer's saying and, and figure out what to turn on or off or on to make them successful that takes a little bit more nuanced training but um you know other parts of that we're doing with the with the ticketing and things like that i think there's ways to make it really simple um and just having the boundaries of hey here's what we want you to do Here's the rules around this. If it goes outside those rules, maybe escalate it to someone else in-house or whatever. Um, that's sort of my vision for the way, like maybe ticketing might work for some of the stuff in our support. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just funny because often we get people, I, I see this, not, not as much anymore, but sometimes people will hire a VA and after a week, they're like, nah, can't do it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you you know, you need to, There, there is still an onboarding time with pe new people in your business and all this sort of thing that has to happen. So I always try and say to people that you have to be realistic and think that you're in the long game really. And it's sort of a two to three months, you know, time frame to really, for people to really get their feet under your culture and the way you do things and how things are done and they get their own, their own style in there as well. I think that that, yeah. that would be a fair enough assumption to make regardless of where the person is actually stationed whether they're virtual offshore whether they're in your office in the u.s beside you things like that that's good to be realistic yeah you, i mean you have to invest in your people so i mean if you treat a va like for someone like on your, on your team like a normal employee you can invest time and 
getting up to speed that it's not overnight. And it's even, I think my, in my mind, like though, like what, and you could hire someone here that may not be um, as motivated or a cultural fit that could be, you know, my point is a VA, as long as they're of the right mindset and, and, uh, and they're motivated and want to learn and they're passionate and energetic, that's what you really want. Someone yeah, that's what we hire for. Yeah. We try and find that it's, yeah. it's actually hard, but that's what we say. We don't worry so much about the skills because we can teach that, but right. it's the character that you want and the energy and enthusiasm and all that sort of thing that you're looking for. I mean, we've had people that I've hired that have had that kind of, and this is in house that have that enthusiasm had, you know, they're, they're great. They want to learn. They make sort of catastrophic mistakes sometimes. I mean, yeah. I can tell you all these war stories about things they've done and I'm like an accident. So, you know, but I'm like, Hey man, like, don't worry about it. Like we're going to, we'll get through that. Just, you, you know, so, I mean, people are going to make mistakes, takes a little time, but as long as they have that right mentality, that's what I look for. I want people that are hungry that want to learn. And then if they have that, then they're going to just give them, you just keep feeding them the information and training and they'll absorb it and it'll be great. I think the key point I've really taken out of this, this chat with you today, Jason, is that, you know, and I want the listeners to kind of focus in on this point is that whole thing of, you know, you've, you've got this business, you know, it's scalable, you've got the platform, you are scaling it and you've basically, you're, you're focusing on what it looks like in two to three years time and what the team is going to look like then and what the processes are going to look like then. And then you're sort of working towards that now and investing Mm -hmm. time and energy in your systems your processes and your team and your people so that they can take it there with you i think is the is the end goal i that's exactly right and with the way i want to do it i mean and i again i'm not sure this is the right formula or not but as i um we started working with vas my thought is i want to have one or two vas i was hoping like one at first that for that might be cross-functional be doing more than one team's thing so i can but the idea is to teach Right now, like, for example, we have different teams that are one person. And so, like, just giving them someone to delegate things to. Giving them an assistant would, would free up their time to do more high-value well, and, and, and it helps them figure out how to scale because now they have to train yeah. that person in things. So I'm giving them responsibility to, to have a team now. And, and there's a lot less risk with a VA, I feel like, as far as the financial outlay and all the things that normally come with a – um, an in-house employee, but as long as they have the same sort of mentality and, and a decent skill set, you know, my team is getting as much out of it as in the learning process as, as the VA, I'm sure. Yeah. And that's a great point to make, you know, that when you are scaling a company, even if you have a big team onshore, like your own, in your own place and anyone listening to this that, you know, is thinking, how do I use VA as well? I always say to people, I mean, you know, if you want to, if you want your team to grow bigger, you've got a couple of choices. You can, invest in more people in your own country or you can take some of the grunt work off your people and you know offshore that to a company like ours or VAs or whatever and it doesn't necessarily mean it's lower value work it's just more of the grunt work that can be done and then allow those people to elevate into those kind of higher value and more strategic kind of positions within your company who are onshore and it, it's a really cost-effective way to actually leverage and scale a business to do it that way. Choosing my own trumpet here, of course, but between <laughs> that and testimonials, get testimonial tree uh, working for you and get your testimonials and your, your client surveys pumping. So, Jason, if people want to find out more about testimonial tree and your journey, where do they go um, to get a demo of the product or to have a look at what you're doing? Yeah. Well, our site's testimonialtree.com, um, so you can go there, and there's some forums and different things you fill out to get demos or 
or you can just contact us directly. Um, and there's phone numbers and whatnot, but yeah, we, we love, uh, the fun part about our, um, my company, our company is, uh, we need to work with all sorts of businesses. And so we, we, we really do, um, get a lot of stories and how they can make their customers happy. So we've learned a lot ourselves just from our own customers and the way they've shaped their own cultures and things. So I think um, you're going to be sharing that you're, you're launching a podcast too. That's going to be sharing a lot of that. Those yeah. You know, so, um, so our philosophy or what we're actually, what I'm learning is, so at first our company was more about leveraging the happy customers in growing business for marketing, like getting pe- people to share on social media, maybe getting reviews on different play platforms, whatever, getting testimonials on your site, like mo- mostly marketing oriented. And now um, we're finding that the testimonial itself actually is, is yes, it can be used for marketing for sure. Um, extremely powerful tool, probably one of the most powerful tools. But what it really is is someone telling you how you allowed them. So they're gonna they're gonna remember and write about things that made you different. And so at scale, we have a lot of interesting data, and um, we our our goal is to help you or help companies um, get better based on that data. So companies like so let's say you have a big real estate company or whatever you might um, be able to figure out, hey, what are my customers really wanting? How am I wowing them? Is it communication or knowledge or whatever? And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many cool things you can do with that. But overall, we're, just, we're finding opportunities to help companies use the data we collect to get better. Yeah, look, I'm just thinking, you know, that's a classic job that VA is going to help you with because they can dive into your platform and extract the data that you're getting and maybe put it into some slides for you and just present, you know, put, put it into a format that you can have a quick look or whatever. So that's, that's sort of thing that I'm working with some of my team on um, looking at testimonial tree at the moment around how, how we're going to be using it. Cause although I'd love to be diving in there myself, I've way too much to be doing to be tinkering with the platform. So my team are going to be over that role for, for us as well. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff. I mean, we, we've actually, onboarded like real estate agents or teams or mortgage teams that use VAs that we're actually talking to VAs um, yeah. to get this implemented. So, and uh, I remember um, one of my, my onboarding guy that was, that was doing that came in, he was, uh, um, our office is kind of open. So some of the people walk in the hallways or whatever. He came in from outside. He's like, um, Hey, this is unbelievable. I just onboarded this company, but it was the VA and he was like going nuts on how great this was. Yeah, that's like us. I'm like, I, I, we're going to train our teams of VAs on this testimonial tree platform so that they can actually do it for, for clients that are interested in having this platform work for them. And, you know, it's about, no, it's about having the mindset that, you know, yes, you can get people to do this stuff or you, you don't need to be the one to be doing that. Um, if you're running the company, you can install these things and have VAs do it for you. Yeah. And our, sort of our goal, one of our differentiators that we try to maintain is um, we're not just like a, a platform, whereas like you think normally you sign up for a, a product and, you know, it's something that's just kind of totally virtual. And we've grown partially because we try to have a relationship with our customers. And it's at 95,000 or so users, it's it's a little bit hard to, to do that for like in the same scale as we used to. But so we're hoping to like implement some things there with some VAs and different things that still keep that experience. And, and not only that, like what the reason, the way we were able to grow is because we listened to our customers and figured out the problems and issues. Yeah. yeah they, they trust us at a certain point. So they'll, they'll come to us with ideas on our own products. Hey, I wish I could do this or that. That's how we grew the whole platform. So I uh, like, for example, we had a brokerage that said, Hey, we love what you're doing this testimonial part, but can you do our survey? And, 
were like, hey, yeah, we kind of looked into it and we figured out oh, we could definitely do this survey. And then there's all kinds of little things that have been enhancements. So we need to maintain that, that um, same sort of mindset, but we hope that VAs and things and the way we use them can help facilitate that, you know, in the future. Yeah. Listen, Jason, thank you so much for your time and sharing that story with us, because I really do think, you know, at the end of the day, we're all about this podcast is really becoming about this whole thing of teams, systems, processes, and, you know, how everyone is using this to scale businesses, whether it's offshore, onshore, whatever way, it's, it's all important stuff. So thank you so much for sharing your insights and everyone go to testimonialtree.com, check it out. I'm currently checking out this platform as well. I'm really impressed. It's a fantastic product. Um, until next time, Jason, thanks so much. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and you got value from it, please do leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It would be awesome to get the, the message out. And of course, share the show with anyone that you think um, would benefit. All right, until next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Virtual Success Show. If you found this show helpful, take a moment to share it with a friend so that we can all grow together. Find out more about the inside scoop on outsourcing success by going to our website, virtualsuccessshow.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.